God, I pray that we would continue to, that we would continue, God, to have a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thanksgiving, a spirit of praise. Fill our hearts. Be with us today. Help us to be open to what you have to say for us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Sorry, Riley, I cut you off. I thought you were done. Um, uh, that is my mistake. Uh, I should not... Uh, Step on the musicians there, especially when they're going to hit that power note at the end. And look at me just praying over that. Come on. Um, my mistake. Uh, I'm glad you're here with us today. Uh, we are concluding a series entitled Pretty Ugly People. Let me explain the premise of it is that there are times that we fall into the tendency of doing what Jesus uh, warned people not to do, to clean, don't just focus on cleaning the outside of the dish, but miss the inside of the dish. Meaning, do you focus more attention on those outward things, the outward appearances, those types of attributes, and forget about those things that are more significant, more, more important, the spiritual things, the inward things. And so we recognize that the outward appearances are those superficial things in life and that the inward heart are the spiritual things in life. And so to conclude this conversation today, what I want to talk to you about is that the right decision is not always the one that feels good. It's not always the one that, that looks good on the outside or maybe even has the appearance of being the right one. Sometimes it's the one that is... Uh, is different than that. And so, so we have to recognize that superficial things are about things that feel good. Superficial things are those, but spiritual things are the things that really are good, that really are important and meaningful and significant in life. And so um, it is important for us to think about that and get into it. Last week, we talked about these two kings, Saul and David. We talked about these kings from ancient times in the Old Testament that, that had kind of two different approaches in life. Saul, in many ways, was, was the one that looked the part. But there was a point in time where the Spirit of God left him and he had this bitter uh, envy that took root in his soul. And he became hell-bent on going after David and pursuing him and trying to kill him. And David, in turn responded not by seeking more revenge, but instead what he did is he did, the, he did a really honorable, difficult thing. He did not return evil for evil, but instead he returned evil for good and spared Saul's life on a couple of occasions. And we see at the end of the story that we talked about last week is that when Saul dies, David does not delight, but he mourns in his death. But... The drama continues uh, throughout more generations than just Saul and David. David has a son by the name of Absalom. And Absalom's story in many ways is a story that we can read as a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale of what can take place 
when you are just beautiful on the inside, but your spiritual life or there's nothing really significant or deep on the inside. In fact, the scripture tells us that Absalom was something to behold. He was uh, considered incredibly beautiful. And in fact, he was famous for his unbelievable hair. Um, yes, this is what the Bible tells us about him. In fact, in 2 Samuel 14, 25, it says, In all of Israel, there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. He was an unbelievably beautiful uh, charismatic figure that in many ways looked on the outside where everything was put together, but there was something inside that was just empty and there wasn't any depth. And so Absalom's story, and we'll kind of detail it like in little snapshots, is talked about in 2 Samuel 14 through 18. And you can feel free to read the entire story of Absalom's life and kind of the drama that takes place. But just to give you a quick snapshot of his life is he's the son of David, this virtuous king that definitely makes mistakes, but overall is a person after God's own heart. And he wants to overthrow his father, become king. He is vain. He is jealous. He is power hungry. And ultimately, in the end, he dies a tragic death. It's a cautionary tale. And it's a story in scripture that we can point to and look to and say, this is the picture of what it looks like to only focus on those shallow things, those unimportant things. And look how destructive it can be. And so uh, I am thankful for um, uh, the opportunity for us to gather here today and think about just kind of the things that took place in this life and hopefully learn from them and avoid them in ours. So we're going to we're going to look at kind of how we can have a perspective where we can look at this life, this tragic story, and instead of following that same path, we can look at these maybe lies and deceit and perceptions that this person had and reframe that story and rethink how we could live that out in our life in a positive way because these things are easy to fall into. And all of us, in some way or another, can get focused on them instead of the things that are more significant and more important. So, so my hope today is that we have a change of perspective, that we look at things in different ways. Instead of looking at them in, in, in the simplistic, superficial, outward appearance way, we have a change of perspective. There's different perspectives that we can see that are identified in Absalom's life. And we have to say, we have to make a change and it has to be different than that. And so there's, there's five different things that I want to detail and I want to talk about that are things that seem to be identifiers in Absalom's life. And we need to change that perspective. The first one is it seems as though Absalom focused his attention and, and, and believed that he was his looks. I am my looks. That's what I am. But the perspective that we need to have in life is, I am not my looks. We need to edit that statement. We need to change that statement and have a different point of view. Absalom's hair was so famous, 
So incredibly famous that every now and then he had to, he had to trim it. You know, he had to, he had to ha- have a haircut and they would weigh his hair. I, I have no idea. Why, why would you weigh somebody's hair? Maybe it's just, you know, you're so amazing, so beautiful. And just gather everybody around. Absalom is having a haircut. This is, this is what was going on in his life. And they would weigh his hair. And the scripture talks about how much his hair weighed. That everybody was just captivated in some way or another with this person's looks. And he just got consumed with this in many ways. And, and, and how this can take root in our life is that there's a lot of times that we, we build up or we put out into the world a perception about ourselves. This is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is what I look like. This past week, our family traveled to South Dakota, as is our tradition, in Thanksgiving. And, and we always, uh, you know, we gather together, go to grandmother's house, hang out, have a lot of turkey, play a lot of board games, do a lot of that stuff. But one thing we always do is we always do some family pictures. I'm not great at family pictures, but I'm always shamed when I go to grandma's house and I look at the fridge and I look at the walls and there's pictures of me and my kids and my kids are like this big and they have, you know, gotten much bigger and I feel bad because grandma's not on Facebook. So we have to go out and we have to take pictures and uh, we just made announcements to everybody. 2.30 picture time. So everybody can get dressed, look good, and the lighting can be perfect. Everything is great. And what do you do when you do these pictures? You go out there, everybody looks perfect, everybody looks happy, everybody smiles, everybody puts their arm around one another. You get the lighting and you do all this stuff. And then you take 150 pictures and pick the one they kind of figured out that my wife doesn't have her eyes closed, my daughter isn't looking over there. And of course, every time I'm every single picture. I'm, I'm, I'm picture of perfection. It doesn't get any better or worse than this. So uh, there's, there's nothing. But we have to look through all the pictures. Here's a hundred of them and before we're able to post one of those on Facebook because God forbid we would put one on Facebook where something was out of place. There was a shadow. There was a hair. There was somebody was blinking or something like that because that's, that's the perception that we want to put out there. And I posted, and you know what? As it's pretty predictable, you get some nice comments. A couple of you even made some comments on there. And all of a sudden you get you get a few thumbs up. And I'm like, hey, not bad. And then somebody says, good looking family. And there's something inside us, something within us that makes us feel good about ourselves when we put that foot forward and we put the perfect picture out there to the world and we say nice, wonderful, warm things saying, look at how wonderful my family is. I have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for the thumbs up and I'll give you a thumbs up back. This is the world we live in and it's easy to get really caught up in those things And really get focused on these things when people are giving us praise for looks, appearances, nice looking pictures, family photo ops where everybody looks nice and happy. And it's easy to get totally consumed uh, thinking about how people perceive me. How do people perceive me? 
How do people see me? Who is it that likes my photo? Who is it that saw my family and thinks our family is so nice and good looking? Who was it? And it's so easy to get caught up in that. But we have to recognize there's something else. Because if we get focused too much on those things, it takes a dark turn. That's kind of almost the beginning of the story of Absalom's life is you hear about his beautiful locks of hair. You hear about his looks and hear about how everybody looked at him and said, look at this amazing person. Spectacular, beautiful, desirable. This is who he is. And this in many ways identified who he was. How can we change that perceptive? How can we change that feeling inside of us where we think that I'm all about my looks, I'm all about appearances, I'm all about what people think about me? A second thing that I think started to consume Absalom's life that is something that can't take root in our soul is that he believed that freedom is doing whatever I want. Freedom is doing whatever I want. See, The perception we should have and the idea we should have is freedom is doing whatever God wants. That is true freedom. But I don't know what it was, but there was something within Absalom's heart and soul that maybe he got too many likes on Instagram or Facebook. Maybe he got too many people swooning over his beautiful hair. I don't know what it was, but there was a point in time where he just felt like he could get away with anything he wanted to do. And whatever emotion, feeling uh, came to his mind, he would act on that impulsively. It says this in 2 Samuel 14. It says, Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king. But Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. And then he said to his servants, look, Joab's field is next to mine. And he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servant set the field on fire. What a picture of a spoiled person that was turning really dark, where all of a sudden he is beckoning someone to come to his aid, and the person refuses, not once, but twice. So what he does in return is he's like, I'm burning down your field. That's how I will respond. If you don't come at my command, if you don't respond the way that other people do and are just amazed at me and in my presence, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come after you. And there's there's an unbelievable darkness that is starting to creep in and you're starting to see how this is spiraling out of control that he is just so impulsive that whatever he feels like or whatever he wants or if anyone is is in any way, not following what he wants, as he will impetuously, impulsively harm and hurt them. You see, there's there's something that can creep into our psyche and into our mind. Something that can creep in and all of a sudden we can think that, you know, true freedom is me doing whatever I want to do at that moment. True freedom is me being able to act in any way that I want. But the reality is and the truth of it is, is true freedom is being able to have control over your actions. 
True freedom is being able to not, not, just, not just continually being a slave to our desires or impulses. Not living a life that is out of control and when somebody doesn't come at my beck and command, I just impulsively do whatever I want. Freedom is being able to have that life where you say, just because I feel in this moment harmed, I have the, I have the freedom to say no to that. I have the freedom to, to walk away from that and not to be a slave to just my emotional moment that I have, but this is not something that took root in Absalom's life. Instead, he just did impulsively whatever he felt like in the moment. Another thing that Absalom does is we see that Absalom uh, views his friends as people who tell me whatever I want to hear. There's an account in scripture, and I'm not going to go over all of it, but it's an account here of how Absalom is in the middle of like these different people trying to manipulate him and talk to him about what he should do about his father's kingdom, David. How he should respond to David, how he could overthrow him, and he's getting bad advice, and in some ways people are manipulating him because he's the type of person that if you focus on his ego... And you tell him good things that pumps him up. He's the type of guy that would listen to that advice. Instead of being the type of person that has a little more depth. And, and understands that it's the friends are the people who tell me what I want to hear. Or need to hear. Instead of what I want to hear. Then my friends are not the, just the ones that you know, I met years ago and are Facebook friends and, and give me a thumbs up and don't really know me. But it's something deeper than that, something more significant than that. It's not just about my ego and my perception, but he never got that. There's this interesting little encounter that it says in 2 Samuel 15, it says this. When... Uh, also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way towards the Israelites who came to the king asked, asking for justice, and he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. What he recognized and what he realized is that other people were kind of manipulating him, but he started to recognize and realize he could manipulate others as well. And so he started to gain kind of favor among people because what they would do is they would say, ah, maybe my case hasn't been heard by King David. My case hasn't been justly taken care of. And so what he would do is he would do what others had done to him and he would appeal to their vanity, appeal to their own, uh, sense of self-worth themselves. And they would come to him, not the king. They would come to him, and when, he, when they show up, he would say, he would flatter them. He would bow down. Uh, he would reach out his hand. He would kiss them, hug them. He would do all these things, and whenever people would talk anything bad about King David, he would be a sympathetic ear, and he'd be somebody that would listen to them, and he would manipulate them in that way. Focus, his focus was so much on charm. And as we've talked about in this series, we recognize that charm can be so deceptive. These outward displays. And 
His, the people that he built friendships with and built alliances with, it was all based on manipulation back and forth. What are friends? What are the people we listen to? Along with this story, we can learn and we can glean from, from his life that we need to, uh, he focused his attention on taking matters into his own hands instead of trusting God to take matters into God's hands. Did all these things to manipulate situations, to try to gain favor, to try to overthrow what was going on in David's kingdom. In our life, how many times do we do that? How many times do we get impatient? Because things aren't coming to pass the way that we would like them to or in the timetable that we would like. It's pretty likely that Absalom, if he was patient, virtuous, there would be a day that it's pretty likely he would become king. But it wasn't quick enough for him, so he had to try to do manipulative things behind the scenes, try to gain favor of other people, and do this thing that maybe would put him in a spot that would move him forward quicker. Taking control of this situation, it's up to me. The virtuous things that we see in the life of David is that there was moments when David could have taken Saul's life to become king quicker. But he said, I'm not going to do that. How could I take the life of God's king? How could I do that? In our life, the question that we have to ask ourselves if we truly want to be deep spiritual people is, are we willing to release control in regards to how we Try to manipulate situations. Are we going to trust that in the end God will bring justice to bear? Are we, are we willing to just pause for a moment and just say, I'm going to go down the right path and do the right thing, even if the outcome isn't beneficial for me? Or is it something that we get impatient in doing the right thing? As the scripture says, it says, don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. It wasn't good enough for Absalom. Wasn't good enough. The timetable was too long. The situation was not going fast enough and he had to take matters into his own hands. And so he continued to manipulate people in this way. And one more thing that we can learn from Absalom's life in a change of perspective is the fact that Absalom focused on glory and fame to bring him happiness. But what we truly need to do is recognize that it's God's glory that will bring me happiness. In 1 Samuel 18, 18 or 2 Samuel 18, 18, it says, During his lifetime, Absalom had taken a pillar, erected it in the king's valley as a monument to himself. For he thought, I have no son to carry on the memory of my name. He named the pillar after himself. It's called, it's called Absalom's Monument to this day. So things weren't necessarily going his way. Here's what you can do. Make a statue of yourself. Make a pillar to yourself. Make a monument to yourself. And that will be the way that I have glory I am remembered. I have approval. 
All these things are just one after another are demonstrating and showing what takes place if, if like this ideal of vanity takes over our lives. Focus too much on ourselves. Focus too much on what people think about us. Focus too much on my status, my position, my glory. And you end up making statues or, or monuments to yourself. The reality is, is that we have to honestly ask ourselves, whose approval are we seeking in life? Are we seeking others' approval? Or are we seeking God's? Are we seeking our own glory and glorification? Or are we seeking God's glory and God's will? If our whole life is something where we're, we're trying to bring ourselves up, and our status up, our brand up, we will realize at some point in time that human approval is as fickle as the weather. Other people's opinion of us or our status or what is trendy or exciting in the moment just changes so quickly. Don't focus on that. Don't focus our attention on those little moments in time where it just feels like Everybody thinks we have it all figured out. Everybody likes me. Everybody is looking at me. We have to focus our attention instead on God's glory. And if we can't ever find that, we can't ever focus our attention on that, there'll be an endless cycle of running after other people's approval. That's another picture it's not freedom. That's another picture of slavery, another picture of us pursuing something that is completely and totally uh, temporary and something just, just grabbing handfuls of sand and it will just go away and it will go away. But the glory of God is something that we recognize not only are we building up God's kingdom, God's world, the one that created all of us, but we're doing something that is beneficial and meaningful and significant. And so you see kind of all these little snapshot lessons of Absalom's life. And I told you it was a story. It was, it was one of those that is a cautionary tale. And we see at the end of his life in 2 Samuel 18, we see his hair getting caught up in a tree and the sad Image or picture of him hanging by his hair when he is killed uh, at a young age. All the potential, all the talent, all the ability, all the, all the beauty. And it's, I think in many ways, you see the irony of that moment. It's his beautiful, uh, incredibly thick hair that gets caught up in tree branches and ultimately is his demise. In 2 Samuel 18, 33, King David, when he hears about his death, says this. The king was shaken. He went up to his room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. David captures the right attitude and the right spirit in this moment. 
He captures something that I think that we should hold close to us. That when we see these attributes or these actions that are taking place that are totally focused on the wrong thing, when we have perspectives that start to creep into our lives that are focused on completely superficial, insignificant things, our own glorification, our own glory, our own desires, all of these things, it should be something that brings incredible sadness to us. And David ultimately in his life, as his son died, looked at his life and is just completely mourning. The tragic tale of Absalom, who had so much that he could have become, but these other things took root. These other things took over. In our life, I think that this is why it's so important for us to have a different perspective. To have a different thing. Let's look at that list in its entirety once again. And probably all of us could think about one of these areas in our life that there's times where we hear whispers, we have thoughts, we have kind of this temptation to start going down this mental path where we start thinking, I am about my looks. Freedom is doing whatever I want to do. Friends are people who tell me what I want to hear. I need to take matters into my own hands. Glory and fame will bring me happiness. If we start to hear these things or start to live into these things or get, get captivated in any way by these things, hear the, the tale, the story, the sad story of what a life looks like when this takes over and becomes the entire perspective. Instead, we should celebrate and recognize I'm not my looks Freedom is doing whatever God wants. Friends are people who tell me who, what I want to or what I need to hear, that I need to trust uh, matters into God's hands. God's glory will bring me happiness. As I said earlier, I think thankfulness is an important attribute for people of faith. Really, thankfulness is a perspective. That's what it is. It's a perspective in life because you realize that there are people in life that have incredibly difficult circumstances, incredibly tough roads that they have to go down. And they are in a world where there's one thing after another that seems to like just be bad luck situations in their life. And they're still grateful people. And there's others... In this world that, that it seems like, man, they have a lot of things going for them, but still there's something inside them that is, that is not content. We have to recognize that there, it's a perspective change. It's not a circumstance change. Thankfulness is not directly correlated to a good life or a simple life or an easy life. It's not. Instead, thankfulness is directly correlated to spiritual health, spiritual depth, something else, a different perspective in life where you look beyond just temporary things and simple things and say, there's got to be something more. And in some ways, I think it's a discipline that we practice over time. That there's moments that there's all kinds of thoughts that creep in. Just like Absalom had, we've all had those moments and those thoughts. And we have to take time to change our perspective. 
to change things, to think differently, to praise. It's so essential and vital that we do these things. And that's why every time we gather here together, we sing songs of praise. We sing songs of praise saying, God, you are good, because that's the truth, right? God, you are in control. God, you offer forgiveness. God, thank you. You're a good, good father. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you for all the things that I have. And even I want to thank you for, I know I've gone through struggles. I'm not thankful for those moments, but I'm thankful for the story that you've brought me through. I'm thankful. It's a perspective. It's a perspective change that changes all kinds of other things in our life. But instead, if we get caught up in, I wish something was different. I wish I was someone else. I wish that people looked more at me. I wish I got more credit. I wish I had more wealth. I wish I had more prestige. I wish people would recognize me more. My glory would grow in some way or another. It's something that can take root in our life and can be a mental pattern that just loops in our head and all of a sudden our whole life is affected in one way. But as people of faith, we have to have a perspective that is different. We have a perspective that is longer term, not superficial, and not just based on those outward little initial reactions or thoughts. So as the scripture tells us, we should take captive our thoughts. Take captive our thoughts. Take a hold of those thoughts and start to evaluate those and say, like, is this the way that I want to think about my life? Is this how I order my life? And instead, what we should do is give thanks in all circumstances. A hard discipline, a hard practice not something that is a natural reaction that we have, but it's something that is really essential. It's essential to all of our lives. So as we look at these tales, this story, and we look at, kind of conclude this entire series, I think it's appropriate for us to evaluate our perspective. What is it that we focus our attention on? What is it that we give most of our thoughts to? What is it that is inside our heart? I'd like you to join me in prayer. God, what a sad story. What a sad story about the life of Absalom. God, and I pray that we would learn from those mistakes. 
We would look at our own life. And we wouldn't let any bitter root take hold in our heart. That we wouldn't get consumed by outward appearances, other people's approval, our own glory, people just cheering us on. But God, instead, we would look deeper. God, we look to you. And so, God, if there's an area of our life where we're getting consumed with ourself, consumed with our own image, God, I pray right now that you'd point that out to us. You'd reveal that in our hearts. You'd help us to change our thoughts. Change our thoughts and start turning it to gratitude, towards thanksgiving towards celebrating you and praising you, looking to you for your glory, not our own. Change our perspective, God, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name.